0: Hey, it's Wednesday, March 25th, and we are going to study 2 Peter. That's the chosen book. We're walking through it a verse at a time, and we're excited to have you join us. So grab your Bibles, get your uh, iPads out, your software out, get my Logos glasses on here, and uh, we're ready to go. Let's look at verse number three. We've got our traditional salutation out of the way. We've got uh, some great things we gleaned from his self-identification. Now verse three, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. It's enough for us to deal with. Matter of fact, that's a lot for us to deal with, but let's take a look at it a little bit at a time. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And perhaps you've been told this before, you've heard it before, but the Greek New Testament, the sentences are fluid. They're fluid in the sense that you can put them in various orders because of the highly inflected nature of the Greek language, and you can move things up to the front of the verse that are uh, needing emphasis, that you want to emphasize. And at the front of this verse, it doesn't start with His divine power. Uh, The Greek order of this text starts with, sense all things by His power, His divine power. So the focus on this verse, I just want to make it clear to you, is that you've got all things. I mean, the the all is what's important here. Everything pertaining to life and Godliness. So if I were to ask you, what do you need right now? You might say, well, I need a million bucks, or I need some assurances from the government, or I need a vaccine, or I need better kids, or I don't know what you think you need right now. But basically, this passage reminds us that as Christians, you have everything you need. You have everything you need. Everything you need for life and godliness. And, and that is a huge promise for us. It keeps us, I hope, from whining. I jotted down a variety of passages here getting ready for this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, Do all things without grumbling or disputing shouldn't be arguing with each other, and we should not be grumbling. That's a great uh, onomatopoeia. It's a great word that uh, kind of reminds us of the sound of people just murmuring and grumbling. And all of that, of course, if you know your Bible, should take you back to the wilderness wanderings. When all that was going on after they left Egypt and they're saying, man, we had all this good food back in Egypt. Moses, why would you bring us out here into the desert to die? And the Bible's very clear. First Corinthians chapter 10, looking back at that, it says you shouldn't grumble as they did in the desert and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as an example, and they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. The idea of them being responded to by God, that God responded to them with such a, a harsh and swift discipline. Now, the Bible says that's in the Bible so that we would not learn to do what they did. Now, there's several things in 1 Corinthians 10 that it talks about that they did wrong, but here at the top of the list, and one of the things that God was always pointing out to them in the wilderness wanderings was they were complaining, and they shouldn't have been. Uh, We need to make sure that if we are Christians, we know that God has given us everything that we need. We don't have everything that we want, hardly, right? We've got a lot of wants that, unfortunately are. you know, out of bounds in terms of what uh, we need, right? That's beyond what we need. Sometimes it's very selfish, the things that we want. Sometimes it's not selfish. The things that we want, we think, well, this would be good, and I can see where it'd be a good thing to have them. But the Bible says you got everything you need. God has given us all things. That's how this sentence starts, all things, everything. Uh, it should keep us certainly from coveting. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, the 10th commandment reminds us that you shouldn't covet, And that's so easy to do. It's that secret, private, I wish my life were better. And we can all make strides to change the circumstances in our lives, as long as that's not idolatrous, to move up in a company, to have a life situation change, to have your health improved. All those are good things to pursue. But you can't sit there and pine away, the Bible says, and say, well, I don't have uh, this thing, and therefore I'm going to just crave it in my heart. You can't crave it. The Bible says you can't covet things that you don't have, and that list is very important in Scripture, and I think this is a verse that helps us remember that. All things, how the Greek sentence starts, everything. So all things you have pertaining to life and godliness that God has provided for us. So what has He given us? Again, I just jotted down a few things that in Scripture, I think, just jump out at us. To say that He's granted us all things pertaining to life Okay. You might think of this life, and clearly he's going to get us through this life. He's going to allow us to be godly, uh, not greedy, but godly. But in, in, in the Bible, the word life is something that deals with the uh, eternal reality, something beyond this life. When John 3.16 talks about the fact that he gave his only begotten son, that we would have everlasting life. Anyone believe in him, we'd have eternal life, everlasting life. Uh, that picture of not perishing doesn't have to do with the physical death but the eternal realities that god has solved for us matthew chapter 10 verses 28 through 31 remind us that you could have everything taken away from you right now by a violent act of crime and that shouldn't be your concern what your concern should be is is you being cast into a place where you're going to pay for your sins uh, and he said that's the one you ought to fear and then he goes on to say well Christ has solved that problem. Jesus is saying, that's what I came to do, to give my life as a payment, a ransom for many. And then he says, well, think about the sparrows. You can sell two of them for a penny there on the temple complex. And yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father, God's sovereign oversight over all things. Even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. So here's God pertaining, uh, giving us all things pertaining to life, eternal life. The fact that you and I will not hear depart from me, Uh, I never knew you. He'll never say, you know, you're cast into outer darkness where there's weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Of course, I'm assuming that you are a Christian, that your trust and confidence is in the finished work of Christ. Uh, What about life here? Uh, Again, just listing things that quickly came to mind. The presence of Christ, the, the reality of Christ saying to us in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, hey, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And I love those verses when I find myself in the text grammatically, because those apostles, those 11 on that mountain, were not going to survive until the end of of the age. But we're here still within this age, this period of time. And he says, I'm not going to leave you. The disciples that you make and the disciples that those disciples make. And here we are on the other side of the world 2,000 years later, and he says, I'm not going to leave you. As Hebrews 13 says, there should be no coveting for things that we don't have. We can make steps to change our life. That's fine. But there should be no cravings of like, I can't have what I want. The discontented grumbling of our lives because the Bible says he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. What a great reminder. His guidance, the spirit. He said to uh, his disciples in the upper room, I'm going to ask the father. He's going to give you the parakletos, the helper. And he's going to be with you forever. We have the spirit's guidance. We have wisdom. James 1 says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. He gives to all without reproach, and it'll be given to him. I mean, we have wisdom from God. We have the guidance of the spirit. We have his presence. We have eternal life that's been granted to us. And then when we think, well, that's great for today, but what about tomorrow? You know, we need to go back to those passages of scripture that remind us of security. John chapter 10, verse 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. There's great assurances about the future that give us security, that all the things that have been promised to us are ours. Therefore, His divine power granted you all things pertaining to life and godliness. And this is what God has provided. So easy for us to look for assurance and significance and security in in other things. Let me just have you, if you're taking notes, Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Uh, the Bible says God's people should not be looking into places and to things that cannot provide the things that we ultimately need. Uh, it says, has a nation ever changed its gods? Jeremiah 2, 11. Um, Even though they're not gods, but my people, and he's lamenting this, have changed their glory, God, To that which doesn't profit, be appalled, O heavens, at this, be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. I'd give them everything that they need, everything that they need. Maybe not everything that they want in the temporal realm, but everything that they need. And they've hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Idolatry trying to find our meaning in an easy day, a vacation, good kids, a great marriage, a good house, a good income. The Bible says none of those things ultimately are gonna supply what we need. But as Christians, you'd be sitting in a jail cell and the Bible would say you have all things pertaining to life and to godliness. God is going to direct us into what we ought to be. And look at the last phrase. We'll get back to through the knowledge of him in a second, but the last phrase, which in Greek we've got this, uh, this word that can be translated to or by, but it says that uh, all of this has been through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory. And if you've got an ESV, look at the footnote there. Just make sure that's what the footnote says. I'm sure it does because I know the Greek grammar here. Yeah, by. Uh, To or by. So it's either to his own glory and excellence or by his own glory and excellence. And in many cases, when you have a word like that, that has got a little ambiguity in it. You look to see which direction is biblical and you recognize it's both, right? We are called to his glory and excellence and we're also called by his glory and excellence. He has glory, he has excellence, and he's calling us and granting us these things by his divine power. But think too, these are things to which we're called. And I like that because as Peter keeps talking about this knowledge that's going to be the means by which we get these things, you need to realize and recognize that he's providing so much of that in this book itself, that here is the glory that we ought to be reflecting. Here is the excellence, which is the Greek word for virtue or moral goodness, that we should be striving toward, that God is going to, by His Spirit, help us to attain in the Christian life. And so He's called us to those things. And as we grow in those things, which is what the context is going to be next, supplementing our faith with virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness, those are the things that uh, provide the increasing awareness and security and significance regarding the things that God has given us. We've got everything that we need, and we can have the security and the confidence that God has got us right where he wants us, in his hands, providing all that we need as we recognize he's called us to these things, to glory and excellence. I want to reflect that more. Uh, here's a passage for you. Hebrew, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. The glory and excellence of God is to be our standard. It says, be imitators of God and and, and live as those imitators. Mimic who he is by um, an understanding that you are His beloved children, just like a child wants to be like his his uh, dad or his mom, uh, those kids that want to emulate their parents that they love and admire and respect. Uh, that's a picture of how it ought to be for the Christian life. We see the glory and excellence of God, and we want to be like that. We want to let our light shine before men. Well, wait a minute. I thought God was light, right? And in Him, there is no darkness, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Well, that that's true, uh, or that's John chapter 1. But talking about God dwelling in unapproachable light, um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, the idea of God being light and the source of light, that's true, but we're called to let our light shine, uh, to, to let our good deeds be seen by people. We reflect it, we imitate it, we're, we're seeking to put it all into practice in this book. As Philippians 3.16 says, we need to be making forward progress. It says keep, uh, here's a passage from Paul, he says, let us hold true to what we've attained, keeping that forward momentum in the Christian life, Uh, and then we keep seeking to know what's next, and the Bible's going to provide those answers for us. Ephesians chapter 5, again, down later in that passage, verses 8 through 10, talks about that we were darkness, but now we're light, and we ought to walk as children of light, reflecting the moral excellence of God, reflecting the glory of God. And it says, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's why this study is so good for us to go through any book of the Bible, but particularly this book, as Peter lays out things that reflect the glory and excellence of God. And all of that is picked up through, if we have taken this a little out of order, now go back in that phrase in verse 3, it's it's found and it's attained through the knowledge of Him who called us. So we are increasingly aware of what God has provided for us as we grow in our knowledge of Him right? And the hymn is ambiguous, purposely, I think. Uh, Is that the Son? Is that the Father? Well, of course, the Son and the Father are one in terms of their moral excellence, that's for sure, and and their glory, right? In John 17, he prayed to have the glory restored that was the glory shared by God, the, the, the greatness of God. And so we know that as we grow in our knowledge of the Father, we grow in the knowledge of Christ, His Son, the Spirit helps us attain and ascertain and understand those things, then the awareness of our complete, Um, uh, equipping for life. We have all that we need. Circumstances may change, situations may change, but we need to grow in the knowledge of what God has provided. We're gonna look at the promises coming up here next in verse four, and there's so many of them that Peter lays out for us. We're going to look at asking for wisdom and the promise that he'll give it, seeking God and, being, and God letting himself be found, confessing our sins, having them forgiven, uh, not taking revenge and trusting ourselves to God's justice, being generous and having God be generous to us. There's so many things in these books, these epistles of Peter that remind us of the great promises of God. We're going to unpack some of those next time as we look at the sentence, but let's read it again. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has granted us all things and again read it with the emphasis all things his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to or by his own glory and excellence and the sentence goes on and we'll pick up the next tomorrow but thanks for listening today we're going to continue to study second peter i hope it's an encouragement and a motivation for your christian life